Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on our show, we sit down with Sydney Weiss, creator, host, and producer of Seek the Joy podcast. We get to explore Sydney's personal story of how she herself became a joy seeker and what led her to create her beautiful platform and community. After dealing with a slew of health issues from shingles to appendicitis, Having graduated from law school and failing her bar exam the first time she sat for it, Sydney found herself in a messy hole and just didn't feel like herself. She shares that she was in a space of shame, anger, and embarrassment and had gone through months of not listening to her body, running herself ragged, and being downright mean to herself. This experience took a toll on Sydney, but after a moment of great inspiration, she knew she wanted to create a community based on conversation where folks could share their stories, feel less alone, and explore what brought them joy. Thus, Seek the Joy podcast was born. Now a practicing lawyer, Sydney balances her joy with the demands of her profession and explores with us how her daily rituals and routines cultivate joy for her. We thoroughly enjoyed connecting with Sydney, and you can even check us out on her podcast this week as well, which you can find in our show notes. We are so excited to share a new discount code with our listeners for Recess. Recess is a wellness and lifestyle brand that offers hemp-infused beverages designed to help people relax. An antidote to modern times, Recess offers us all a moment to reset and rebalance with their flavorful, unique combination of hemp extract and adaptogenic sparkling water made with real fruit. A wonderful alcohol alternative or just a fun afternoon treat to keep you calm, cool, and collected. With flavors including blackberry chai, blood orange, black cherry, peach ginger, and pomegranate hibiscus, they offer 6 and 12 packs, subscriptions, and sampler packs for your enjoyment. My two favorite flavors are the coconut lime and the black cherry, but I truly love them all and can't recommend the sampler pack enough, which is where I started. To save 15% on all beverages or subscriptions, you can use code COURAGEOUS at checkout when you visit takearecess.com. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. 
Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sydney. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to sit down with you both. Yes, we're excited to chat with you as well. Um, Just to get us started, uh, can you give our listeners a little bit about your own personal, um, your own personal journey, your background and, and what sort of took you into the sort of the wellness work, you know, holistic, holistically, we use that term that you do today. And then ultimately how your podcast came out of that. Mm, I love what you said, because it really is a holistic journey. I really view wellness that way. And I know you, you both do too. So, okay. I feel like in a lot of ways, I've been on a wellness journey my whole life. I mean, from the time I was a little girl, I was always getting sick all the time and um, always just trying to figure out like what's going on. And then there's the emotional component too. And I was somebody, I'm a, my mom is a marriage and family therapist. So I was somebody that was in therapy probably the first time was like when I was 11. So I was always exploring, understanding myself better and understanding what I was experiencing, both emotional and physical and mental and everything in between. And so I kind of was riding this wave, I think for most of my life of, you know, always had a cold or always was sick all the time. And, you know, for lack of a better expression, had some emotional issues, extremely anxious. I've had OCD my whole life. And so it really wasn't until, gosh, I mean, I've had two evolutions of this. The first time was when I was a sophomore in college and um, I was probably at the heaviest weight I had ever been in my whole life. And I was on antidepressants and this whole thing. And I I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a change. I'm going to dive into greater self-development. I'm going to understand myself more. I'm going to um, really figure out like what the root is of what's going on. And so that's what really began my journey. I started working with this therapist who began introducing me to tarot and astrology and the concept of past lives. And we dove into positive self-talk and affirmation 
affirmations and mirror work, which was looking in the mirror and just smiling at yourself, which for me was like huge given where I was with my self-talk. And that was really transformational for me. And then I got to law school and really got down the rabbit hole of anxiety, performance-driven anxiety, which I know a lot of people um, can probably relate to, this sense of having to be productive like all the time. And so by the time I was getting ready to graduate in uh, 2016, a month or so before I graduated, I had shingles. And for me, that should have been like the wake up at 25, like, hello, <laughs> like something is not right here. Like you're too stressed. You're too uh, intense. Like your body is trying to send you a message. It wasn't. So I graduated from law school uh, two months or so after sitting for the California bar exam. I had appendicitis, which again, should have been another wake up call of I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't taking care of myself in a way that was honoring me. And it all accumulated in November 2016 uh, when I didn't pass the bar. And that was probably the lowest moment for me because I wasn't feeling well physically. I had a really hard time recovering from surgery. I wasn't doing well emotionally, like the negative self-talk that I had really carried with me my whole life imploded. Like I was sitting on the living room floor in my parents' house and being like, you're so stupid. Like, how could you let this happen? Like all the things you say to yourself that you would never say to a friend, you would never say to a loved one. And so that's when I really realized like, okay, now we really have to get serious. We thought we got serious when we were 21. We got to get really serious here at like 25, 26. So that's what I did. I took like a nine-month journey, a metamorphosis of sorts, and really dove in even deeper. And by the time I sat for the bar again in July of 2017, I was a totally different person. The way I viewed myself in the world had shifted. The way I spoke to myself had changed. I just felt better like in my skin and in my body. And so I remember having this moment. It was like September of that year. And I was like, I got to start a podcast. Like I got to find a way to connect with other people and have conversations and share about our shared vulnerability and our shared experiences and what our wellness looks like or what it looks like to step into entrepreneurship. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut. And so that's what I did. And that's when Seek the Joy podcast was born. Uh, I dove in right away. I loved podcasts. I was listening to like 10 a week. So it felt like a no-brainer to try and figure this all out. Um, And so my podcast journey has been with me through my journey of being a lawyer because I found out two months after that that I passed the bar. So I became a licensed attorney. Um, So the two have sort of existed simultaneously. So that's kind of, yeah, like my story, my wellness story. And the podcast has... We're going to be four in October, which is really fun. And I've really enjoyed it because it's brought me to people like you and having conversations and meeting other people and women in this space um, who, who really want to dive into wellness, I think, in a very meaningful, intentional way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's mm-hmm. so wonderful and so beautiful. And there's so much I want to unpack and go into, but the first thing I'd love to ask you if we can explore more yeah. is um, when you didn't pass the bar, right? The first time, as you mentioned, and you talked about that negative self-talk and slander. And I feel like it's something that I've, I've I don't know if everyone can relate to it, but I certainly can relate to that, right? Where it's yeah. like, we're so hard on your ourselves. And as you so beautifully shared, we would never ever talk to a friend or a loved one like that, but yet somehow we do it to ourselves. And so 
But I imagine, right, as you shared, that's such a big moment, right? Like that's such a big moment. And I'm, I think so many people can relate to having a big moment and then a big disappointment. So can we just explore a little bit more how you were able to really get through that time and then work on that negative self-talk to get to a place, right? Where then you could pass the bar and start this podcast and, and live your best life. But what was that in between like for you just to go a little deeper? Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to talk about that in between because we often talk about where we started and then where we are now, which as far as I'm concerned is still that in-between spot because I'm not perfect at it. I have days where I'm still really hard on myself, but I think it's really important to talk about that in-between. So I'm really glad you you brought that up, Erica, because here's the thing. I have a bunch of post-it post-it notes on my wall that say, I am powerful. I am enough. Um, I am stepping into my biggest dreams because I need these reminders all the time. It's about interrupting that neg- negative self-talk, that negative thought that you have and replacing it with something positive. And if I didn't have um, the tools that I had kind of put in my toolbox throughout my life, I don't know if I would have been able to do that in the way that I did at the end of 2016 and beginning of 2017. But I really just made this constant conscious choice of, I was tired of the way I was feeling. I was tired of the way I was talking to myself, the way I was viewing myself. It felt like just yucky, like for lack of a better word, I just didn't align with who I was anymore. So having that knowing of this isn't me, but then actually putting it into practice is like a whole other enchilada, as they say, it's like a whole other thing. You know what I mean? And so it started with writing things down, writing down affirmations, having these post-it notes, diving into books that felt really good. Um, I remember at that time was when I really found Oprah as like super soul Sunday and her podcast. And then I was finding all these other podcasts I really loved and just hearing other women talk about their journey really brought me a lot of comfort and understanding of myself. Um, and then diving into different books. And I really just ultimately came down to me making a choice. And it's a choice I have to continue to make because at the end of the day, I'm my harshest critic. Like nobody in my life is as is critical of me. It's really just me. Like my parents aren't, my sisters aren't, my friends aren't, even people at work aren't. It's it's me. I'm critical of me because I hold myself to a certain like standard maybe, or, you know, you want to achieve a certain result. So ultimately I just had to realize like, I'm my biggest critic and I'm going to, I'm going to make that choice to change it. Mm. Yeah. I think, thank you. First of all, for sharing that. I think, as you say, the in-between is so important because we're sort of always in that in-between space. There's always more space, right? There's always more space to like work through. Um, but your, choice to have awareness around it. I think that's important. And the fact that you share that is really helpful because I know for myself and for even others that I've spoken with, we all as humans have that like negative voice, whatever you want to define it as, whether it's like the negative ego or whatever. I think different philosophies and different sort of schools of thought call it different things, but we all have that internal um, loop that can be that critical voice for ourselves. And I'm sure it does serve a purpose sometimes, but I think we're not taught that it's normal 
to have that. So then we think there's something wrong with us, which perpetuates that cycle of negative thought. Like, how are you? Then it can be like, oh gosh, how are you so hard on yourself? You're so terrible for being so hard on yourself too. And then there's like that, but but what you're doing is talking about it and giving yourself tools to remind yourself to break that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not like that goes away, but getting conditioning yourself to have sort of practices that are reliable, that can help redirect those thoughts is I think really empowering and important for other people to hear because it's like, even listening to you, it reminds me of like, oh yeah, when I was really hard on myself the other day, that's also, it's normal, but I also have the power to redirect to that too and yeah. not live in that cycle. So I think, so just thank you for sharing that. And I know Erica, it's so funny. It reminds me of your post-it note story too. I was like, you know, post-its <laughs> should really go into self, like the wellness world because there's so many like They've been there for a, it's like, we are not associated with post-it brands, but it's just funny (laughs) because I hear so many like, Hey, put the post-it up. And Erica has a post-it story, a hot pink post-it story. I did. My self-love journey started with writing. I am a treasure and I am a precious gem on a hot pink post-it and I chant (laughs) and I put it on my Buddhist altar and I just like did my chant, but that was what was I, what I was thinking in my head. And, um, yeah, it's so important was something, I think, you know, it's interesting because Allie and I talk about this a lot, but, uh, a theme that we have found with so many of our guests is this concept of daily practice, right. Or, or doing practices that really, um, like you said, self-care takes a lot of work and it's not just, you know, bougie, BS. It's, it's really hard work to take care of yourself. And so was that also a process for you or had you always been ingrained with self-care practices and tools? Like, was it kind of second nature for you to go to the books and go to the podcasts and go to taking care of yourself? Or was that something you had to learn and put into practice? I think this is a really important question and I'm really glad you're, you were going here because I think we often put a lot of our pressure on ourselves to know how to take care of ourselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have these practices, to have these tools. And the truth is, is I didn't like, I am somebody who my whole life has struggled with self-soothing and what does that look like? And having to teach myself as an adult, how to do that. Mm. And it's no fault of my parents. It's no fault of my family, I think you can be exposed to good tools and practices and, and things to do, but not necessarily integrate it or not resonate with it. So for me, it wasn't second nature. I had to really figure this out. And I think for me, it really started with two things. One, and I think this goes back to everything that we've talked about so far, part of self-care, part of, um, positive self-talk, really all of this comes down to worthiness is Mm -hmm. knowing you are worthy. You are inherently worthy just by being you. Like you don't have to do anything more than wake up today and you are worthy of anything you want, wish for, dream, feel, et cetera. And I think for me, that was a huge mindset shift because often I think we're taught like, if you want this thing, you got to work really hard. You got to make yourself worthy. No, you Mm -hmm. are worthy just by being you. And for me, that has been huge. So stepping into my own worthiness, understanding my own level of self-worth for me was foundational. Mm-hmm. The other end of this for me in terms of 
just creating a practice for myself. It really started in 2014 when I started practicing Kundalini yoga and having that practice for myself. And I mean, it blew the doors wide open. And my dad was actually the one that introduced Kundalini to me. He had started in 2013. um, And then one day he's like, I think you should come with me. And I was so resistant. I was like, what is this weird thing? Like, I'm not going to go like start chanting and, you know, mantra and yoga and the whole thing. And I was like, fine, I'll go. There was something finally that was in me. Like, you got to go, you got to do this. And for me, that was transformational because it took everything to the next level. It was like, I had understood um, mantra and affirmation and, and self-love and self-care, but this really deepened it for me. Um, so for me, that has been huge. Uh, in the last two years, I haven't practiced practice as much as I probably was before. And for me, that has been huge is knowing I can pick it back up whenever it resonates again Mm -hmm. um, and not feeling this sense of pressure that I need to be so consistent um, because for me, that just hasn't uh, aligned. But having it and knowing it's like another tool in my toolbox has been been huge. But yeah, I had to, I've had to step into self-care um, and really teach myself what it looks like and what it means for me. And it's beyond the physical, like self-care is emotional, it's spiritual, it's uh, nurturing and nourishing your well-being. So you are fortified uh, to match or meet whatever it is you're experiencing. So yeah, yeah. It, I've had to teach myself for sure. Absolutely. Well said. And I like the idea, you know, I'm resonating because Erica had mentioned she, she, I was like, we have no judgment about chanting because we very openly talk about our Buddhist Mm -hmm. practice where we both chant. Um, So I'm like, oh yeah, chanting. I've never done Kundalini, but (laughs) I love that. But it's, um, but what I like that you touched on was that when you are developing and cultivating, whether it be a spiritual practice or any kind of practice, really, um, to remove the element of pressure, mm-hmm. because I think, I think just like we are conditioned, just maybe societal conditioning, cultural conditioning, that it's like, if you're not doing something, and I think this goes back to this like productivity mindset mm-hmm. and worthiness stuff. If you're not like doing something all the time, it means not there for you anymore or um, that like things can serve us, whether it's like even exercise or forms of exercise can serve us differently at different times because our bodies have different needs at different times Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. Like that the journey can change and evolve and look different and you might need different tools at different times in your life. And that's also okay. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring listeners and clients an all-access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual events, recipes, awesome giveaways, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit 
patreon.com forward slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. And then going back to what you were talking about with the sort of sense of self-worth, but also this pressure of productivity um, and that we have innate worth just by existing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's like a very strong concept in our Buddhist practice too. But I think I, there is a question in this. I'm getting there. But I think I was going to say in in light of the pandemic this year, I know for me, I had to because there was a forced pause, um, it it made me really understand that I have worth just by existing, that by being mm-hmm. a human being and not a human doing. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you as someone who is a licensed attorney now, and in, you know, when the the world of law has innate sort of productivity pressures, I think, around it. And I'm sort of curious how you how you balance and maintain understanding this sense of like you just have worth because you're a human being, but existing in the world as it exists, right? And maybe practicing yeah. as a lawyer or um, showing up in the in your professional world. How do you balance those two things? Because sometimes they're not like they don't always go together. No. And I would say they don't go together at all. For me, it's been a huge challenge. Hmm. So we first came home for work from home with the pandemic because I was in an office every day. Um, I was working probably 12 or 13 hours every day because there was this inherent need to not only show how productive you were, but pressure to actually like from other people too, to be that productive. And I hit a breaking point like a hundred percent. I think it was like May. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I literally was like, this is too much. And so I've gone in waves where I respect my boundaries and then I don't respect my boundaries and I push myself too hard. And then I push myself just enough. It's, um, I wish I had like a secret sauce that I could like sprinkle and bottle and share with people because I have no idea. Like for me, it's really challenging. Um, because you know, in addition to, trying not to get stuck in that productivity hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. I also have my own limits every day. I have certain amount of energy. I get tired. You know, I've got my own stuff. We all have our own stuff with our health and our families. And, and so for me, it's been, it's been really challenging because when you're, for me, at least when I was in the office, we would get up, we would walk around, I would do a little socializing. We would go to lunch, you know, all these different things. That's just not part of the everyday when you're working from home. So I've had to figure out how to sort of structure that back in. So um, for me, it's definitely been, it's been super interesting. And I would say too, I have to constantly remind myself, like there was a day this week um, where I just felt completely fatigued, mm-hmm. like sick, didn't feel good exhausted. And I actually took the afternoon off from work and I slept for three hours and I've never done that. Like basically slept like a little bit, like a little toddler, like taking, going down for nap time. It was weird. Um, but obviously it was really needed. And for me, I remember reflecting on it at night thinking, okay, so you're pushing too hard. You're doing too much. How can you scale back in a way in which you're still meeting the expectation that's put on you, but also honoring yourself, honoring your worth, honoring your own boundaries and bandwidth. And so I've adjusted in the two days since then, and I will have to continue to adjust because it's easy to get stuck in that loop. 
especially for me, it's really, really easy. Um, especially when the people around you may not think always the same way in terms mm -hmm. of that inherent worthiness or having, you know, that productivity loop. So it's been an interesting adjustment to say the yeah. least, but, um, I'm somebody that works probably too hard sometimes <laughs> and I'm just learning to, you know, figure it out as I go. Mm, thank you. What has been something as we shared, right? Like there, there seems to be themes from all the episodes we do where we're like, ah, like yeah. this comes up over and over. What has been a theme that you've learned in the four years of doing your podcast? Is there something that's really stuck out to you or a commonality between all of your guests? Hmm. That's a really, really good, beautiful question because I'm right there with you. Like there's a lot of commonalities, um, with what is shared. And I think a big theme well, a couple of them. The biggest one that I can think of right now is just that there it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be vulnerable. And being vulnerable doesn't have to be sitting on the phone with a friend and crying and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. No, being vulnerable can be just choosing to share what you think or how you feel or show up in a way that's more authentic to you. And what I've learned and what's been a big theme within that is that we're all chasing that level of vulnerability that aligns with who we are, that aligns with what we're comfortable with. I think another big takeaway or theme, I guess you could say, um, is that at the end of the day, we all just want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to know we're valued. We want to know that our experience is seen by somebody else and understood. I think, you know, it's interesting, especially you said this so beautifully, Allie, about how with the pandemic, you're a human being, not a human doing. And I think for a lot of us, that has really resonated in the last year, especially because we want to be seen for who we are, for how we show up every day, not for our output, not for our, you know, our success. And for me, that was a big, has been a big part of my journey because in November, 2016, when I didn't pass the bar, I based my entire self-worth on output, on the external, on that level of quote unquote success. And so I had to redefine how I view success, which has allowed me to redefine how I see myself in the world and where I place my value. And I think we're all really looking for that is just to be seen. Yeah. I think or that's a good, yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, Eric and I, I was going to say, this is a, this is a, kind of a side note for probably another conversation, but <laughs> I think we've really reflected that that's like when you grow up in capitalism, mm -hmm. like that's what we're taught. And mm -hmm. so unlearning that is really hard because we don't have a, we don't live in a, a world that um, teaches us that there's just innate value yeah. in life and not just in productivity. So um and yeah, it's super easy to internalize. And I've been, I'm right there with you. I've been, this year has been a huge wake up call about that. So, I mean, that's like some of the silver lining of, um, a very sad and difficult time this year. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's incredibly relatable for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you said too, that it's about this process of unlearning. And I haven't thought about it in that context, actually, until you just said this, because I've been going through this, my let's say the last five years of really working with myself to know that what I produce or what's viewed as success doesn't define me as Sydney. It has nothing to do with who I am, but I never thought about it through the lens of unlearning based upon what we are taught growing up in Western society as children. And I think if we were to dig down into the root of what so many of us experience and what we long for, 
it really goes back to that of where do we place our value as who we are as humans, as people. And it goes far deeper than I think what anything we've been taught. Yeah. I love that you said that. That makes so much sense. Thanks. Yeah. We've, we've sort of thought a lot about this. I think we've had had so many conversations about all the things we need to unlearn in as women in society, all of it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. What is your astrological sign? I'm so curious. Yeah. Um, sun sign is Aquarius, uh, rising is cancer and moon is in Taurus. Oh, neat. My moon is an Aquarius. So I love an Aquarius. Um, I was going to say that's, you know, when Erica brings out the astrological sign question on an episode that like, she's having a good time. (laughs) I love it. It gives you so much insight into somebody else. And I'm sure many of our listeners, at least for me, when I listen to a podcast and I like, like the people I'm listening to, or I'm vibing with it. I'm like, I wonder what their sign is. I do Um, this too. And I do, I wonder about their human design. I just, I just wonder about all the things. And I, what is your human design now that you uh, mentioned it? I'm a projector. Same. (laughs) What are you, Allie? What are you, Allie? I'm a generator. And, um, I'm pretty sure I'm a generator. I have to go back and look. We did a great episode, but it was like like a year ago almost. And, um, my astrological sun, moon and rising are all Aries. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I just apologize to people. (laughs) I love it. I love Um, it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, lucky Erica, but um, <laughs> no, actually my son is in Libra and Libra and Aquarius is actually like a Libra perfect match. Libra yeah, and Aries. Aries. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, no wonder um, you two compliment each other so well. I yeah. love it. We're good. Like, <laughs> but anyway, so I would love to learn a little bit more about your podcast. If any of our listeners haven't checked it out yet, I, I think Erica opened it up really well with that other question, but, um, what, like, so you, you, Let's go back a little bit to when you said you started it around the same time you passed the bar. Um, and it's turning four. And I honestly think that like, as I was going to say, we're not a super young podcast anymore, but we, we are like moving. We're like a tween podcast. We're, we're pushing, th- we'll be three in June May or June, June. June. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be three, three in June. June. So we're a little bit younger than you. Not by much. We're all in the same much, ballpark. a year. So (laughs) what have you learned as a podcast host that has been able to sustain four years and, and why has it, why have you been able to sustain it? I'm really curious. Um, Mm. because I think that says a lot actually, especially, Mm. I think there's like 800,000 podcasts and only 100,000 of them are active. I read that maybe that's like an old statistic, but still, I think it's pretty, that sounds about right. I think we're pushing a million podcasts at this point by the time we're recording. Oh, all right. Where do I start with answering this question? You know, for me, I have the most fun and I feel the most like myself when I'm doing this, when I'm having conversations, when I'm meeting people, when I'm working on the show. It's an opportunity for me to drop into my creativity, um, to my personal desire for connection. I shared this. I hope I shared this. I think I shared this at the beginning, but the podcast really came because I was desiring connection. I was desiring the sense of community and wanting to come together. And for me, I think that desire, um, is what has kept me going because it continues to be fun because I continue to meet new people because I, continue to learn more about myself 
and learn about the guest. You know, it's so interesting. And I, I'm wondering if this is the same for you both as well. I learn something from every conversation, but it's not what I expect to learn. Mm -hmm. And then when I hear from the listeners what they learn and how it's sometimes the same and sometimes different, it just reminds me of the beauty and the nuance of conversation and of connection and that there's really a golden nugget in all of this for everybody and it's going to look different for everyone as well. And so that for me is really what keeps me going. I have found my voice through this journey. I have found um, a deeper connection to self through this podcasting journey. Um, I had a lisp growing up. I was a kid that did not make phone calls. I made my younger sister do it. I made her answer the phone. She continues to remind me of it to this day because I was embarrassed by my voice. Mm -hmm. And this journey has really allowed me to step into my voice. I don't have a lisp as much anymore. Sometimes it comes out with certain words, but um, for me, it's just been so healing. And I think that's also in part why I, I continue to keep going. And um, my show is really focused on storytelling. It's really about stepping into sharing your story, um, sharing your journey, your experience. And it's really inspired by our ongoing journey towards growth and self-love and stepping into this level of courage through vulnerability. And so I think it's that aspect of storytelling that has allowed it to sustain itself, kind of. I've started a sister podcast as a result. It's called Stories of Inspiring Joy um, because Seek the Joy is more interview-based and Stories of Inspiring Joy. Um, someone hops on the microphone, um, shares their story twice a week, and it's just them. I'm not part of it. And I think as a podcast host, that's really meaningful to me that I'm not part of it. I'm not part of the conversation. I'm not asking you questions. You just wanted to be part of the energy of the show and part of this platform and want to share who you are. Um, so that's been incredibly fun and rewarding and a huge honor. Um, so I, I hope I answer, answered your question. I don't remember what it yeah. was at this point. <laughs> no, you did. You did. I, I'm just wondering, I'm always curious when podcasts are able to continue. Mm -hmm. I want to know a, like about the essence of them because yeah. there's a why there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy yeah. to, it's easy to not. And I think that applies to a lot of things. Absolutely. But, um, just like the sustainability aspect of doing mm -hmm. something consistently like this creative output like this consistently for four years is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just wanted to share that if we have any yeah. other podcasters, sometimes, you know, we have, friends. And, and then that's the fun part of this community. You said like creating relationships and sometimes within our field too. So I always am fascinated to hear just yeah. like the journey of the show. You know? Yeah. You have to know your why. Mm -hmm. You have to know your why and you have to be able to always be, always be able to verbalize what it is and connect with, connect with it. And the minute you stray away from your why is when you will start to feel like either I don't want to do this anymore, or I can't do this. It has, you have to connect to your why and it has to be fun. The yeah. minute it's not fun, let it go. Start something else that's new. For me, it, it just has continued to be fun. Um, but it is a lot of output. Like I know you both know this so well. It is a lot of output. Um, I do it in addition to my full-time job as a lawyer. So I've got two full-time jobs. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, I'm pretty pooped. I'm tired. And then other days I'm like, this is the best. I'm so energized. So as long as I still feel uh, the second thing, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing your journey and thank you for sharing everything you've shared today. It's been such a 
joy to Mm -hmm. get to know you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. And we can't wait to go on your podcast too. I'm excited. Thank you guys for having me. This has been wonderful. Oh, of course. But as we wrap up, we always conclude with three questions. And so I'm going to ask the first, and we kind of touched on this early on, but what are some of your self-care practices and your non-negotiables when it comes to your self-care? My non-negotiable, I'll start with that when it comes to self-care is knowing that it's going to evolve. And having that knowing for myself has been huge and not forcing myself to be consistent with any one practice. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but something I was thinking about as we've continued to talk about this is that you have to redefine consistency for yourself and choose what consistency will mean. And for me, that has meant tapping into a practice or a ritual or something that I feel called or inspired to do. Not because I feel like I have to, but because I feel inspired to do so. So that's like my non-negotiable when it comes to self-care. Um, I would say my practices kind of go in rotation. It's getting movement in, whether that's a, a workout class at home or a walk. It's journaling uh, when I feel called to do so. Um, it's sitting in meditation. Um, it just kind of revolves. And I think the biggest thing for me with self-care is just the biggest practice is honoring my boundaries and knowing my boundaries by trying to recognize, being better at recognizing my bandwidth and when I've hit the end of that rope, um, which is a journey. It is totally a journey, but those are, those are my practices. Thank you. And then the second question we ask everyone is, what does being courageous mean to you? Hmm. That's a beautiful question. For me, being courageous is showing up as me. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to put on a filter, um, whether that's literally on social media or in real life. Uh, We feel like we have to hide who we are, what our goals are, our dreams, our wishes. Um, And for me, being courageous is really fully stepping into who I know I am and willing to share that. For a really long time, I think most people in my life thought I was really serious, like the most serious person. I'm not, as you can tell, hopefully through this conversation, I've got an interesting sense of humor at times. Like I make myself laugh. And so just showing more of who I am and sharing that for me has been, um, I think more has been, yeah, has been courageous. So just showing up authentically as who I am and recognizing too, that that will shift and change as I grow. And as I mature, um, you know, I think that's been really important too. Mm. Thank you. And the last question we asked, which I'm excited to hear from you since you also referenced it earlier is, do you have any books that you would recommend to our audience that have been particularly inspirational to you along Mm. your journey? So many, so many. Okay. Um, you know, the, the one that I go back to all the time is The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zokov. I almost just got his first and last name wrong. The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zokov. That has been huge for me. Um, I've read it multiple times. It's it's allowed me to get a better understanding of myself, my soul, if this is something that resonates for people, um, and just intention and energy and relationships. It's just, it's shed a lot of light for me and it's been huge. Um, I could share a second one if that's okay. Um, I recently just finished a book. It's called The Beauty of What Remains by Steve Leader. Um, It really explores grief and loss. Uh, I lost my grandpa in October of 2020. And so I've been on a grief journey um, and really understanding my grief and honoring it. Um, And then also choosing to see the joy that comes from it has been huge for me. 
So discovering this book, discovering his work has been huge. So I highly recommend it to anybody who's maybe searching for a bit of perspective shift around grief and loss. Uh, For me, that has just been huge. So those are the two I would share right now. Yeah. Thank you. And it sounds like a really good resource. Um, and yeah. then also if anyone is interested in finding you, following you, listening to you, where can mm. they do so? Mm. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so much fun and I'm so excited because next week we are recording for my podcast. So this is going to be fun to do this again. Um, if you want to tune into the show, just visit us at seekthejoypodcast.com. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Stories of inspiring joy, storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Uh, you can find all the social media for that as well. And anyone who has found the podcast or me through this beautiful conversation, conversation with um, Ali and Erica, just reach out and say hello. I would love to meet you and, and connect. And you can find all things about me there as well. Thank you so much again, Sydney. We really appreciate it. Mm, thank you both. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.